Tommy went through the house. Panic gripped him tighter with each passing moment. Emily was gone, along with his wallet. The haunting memories of the previous night lingered in the air. Thanksgiving break had just begun, but thankfully there was a place that Tommy could take Val for several hours while he went out looking for his wife. With new determination, he shifted his focus to the task of preparing his daughter for daycare. Once he had dropped her off, Tommy made a few phone calls, checked the local spots that Emily was known to frequent, desperately searching for any sign of her. His relentless pursuit eventually led him to a dimly lit bar where Emily sat at the counter, lost in a haze of alcohol. Relief washed over Tommy upon finding her, yet it was quickly overshadowed by the gravity of the situation. He went up to her and told her, Emily, let's get you home. Amidst the dim lights and the low hum of conversations, Emily did not flinch. So again, Tommy demanded, Come on, Emily, let's go. She simply said, I want my sister. Tommy hesitated at the thought of involving Emily's sister knowing their past. It's Thanksgiving, honey. We can't disrupt their plans. Emily turned to Tommy, sincerity in her focused eyes. Tommy, I need help. I can't keep going on like this, and I've made a decision. I need my sister, and I'm going home, and I'm taking Val with me. Wait, what? Tommy stammered in confusion. Emily continued, My sister and family can take care of Val while I'm in rehab. She'll be on the horse farm and will love it. I'm going to do this. Tommy was a little bit dazed by this announcement, but he understood the gravity of the situation and was in agreement. Emily had never faced addiction issues until she moved to New York and was exposed to a faster and much more different lifestyle. Initially, it was fun and it was manageable, but eventually it consumed her, leading her to a series of bad decisions and a stint in jail. Meeting Tommy and having Val brought her joy and gave her purpose, but the stress of layoffs and temporary positions all have taken a toll. But Tommy sat by her side, nodding his head up and down as an affirmation, realizing the necessity of Emily's decision. And finally he said, All right, babe, I'm on board. What do you need from me? Emily swiveled the chair around towards him, took both his hands, much like on their wedding day, held them and said, Focus on your job, at least for now. And while Emily and Tommy were having this conversation in a dimly lit bar in New York City, I had just sent out an email to Leslie, who was working with me on the acquisition of a middle-sized commercial furniture dealership. The email read as follows. Subject, exciting news and unexpected twist. Dear Leslie, I hope this message finds you well. I have some thrilling news to share. Mr. Stanton has just sent me an email approving our exploration into the potential purchase of the dealership we presented and found, but wasn't even sure was on the market. Turns out, the owner has agreed to an initial conversation in person, and guess who's going? I am, and you are. Can you believe it? As I delved into the details, this is where it gets even more interesting. I discovered that the business owner we are going to meet with is located in none other than, that's right, Orlando, Florida, the very same city your father is in right now. So, with the confluence of business and personal matters, 
This is a unique opportunity I think we should make the most of. So pack your bags, girl. I will text you when I'm on the way to the airport. Signed, sincerely, Roxanne. Leslie replied by text to my phone. What? Are you kidding me? Oh my God, is this happening? And I replied back. No, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> the next day on the flight to Orlando, we discussed talking points of the sale of the business. We learned that the business was inherited by a young man in his 30s, a trust fund kid with a reputation of little business knowledge, but lots of experience in social media and nightlife. So much so, he owns several bars and restaurants, all, of course, struggling, thus the need for cash. We decided to conduct business and focus our energy there first, then meet Leslie's father later. So once we landed, Leslie's grandmother called and informed us that she had arranged for bail that would allow her father's release and went on to say which hotel he was at. Leslie asked, does he know we are here? Grandma replied, yes, and he is expecting your call to make arrangements. So once in our hotel room, Leslie made the phone call and set up a time to meet. We then freshened up and headed towards our major career-changing presentation. We took an Uber to the Isleworth Country Club, where a guard in a guard shack met us. The imposing entrance screamed of exclusivity and luxury. We explained our reason for being there and our appointment with Brandon. After a few minutes and a brief phone call, the gate smoothly opened and we were instructed where to proceed. I couldn't help but chuckle telling Leslie to close her jaw, which had dropped to her lap. Leslie admitted she had never witnessed such opulence in person, only on television. Trying to ease her nerves, I reassured her, relax, they all put their pants on just like you and me. As we approached the house, the atmosphere shifted. The place we were at had a college dorm vibe about it. We walked to the door, pressed the bell that was located next to it, and a voice called out from the box, Roxy and Leslie? I confirmed, yes, and the response was a casual, okay, just a minute. In no time, the door swung open, revealing a young man who seemed to have just stepped out of an Abercrombie photo shoot, shirtless, wearing skinny jeans that barely covered his underwear. He exuded a carefree charm. I glanced at Leslie, whose jaw was still hanging open, but now was accompanied by a trail of drool, trying to keep things light. I nudged her arm and gently whispered to her, Down, kitty. I asked, Brandon? The model chuckled. Nah, Mr. D's in his office. I'll take you there. We followed the stylish guide through the impressive interior, wondering what awaited us in Mr. D's office amidst the unexpected blend of luxury and laid-back dorm. <laughs> Brandon greeted us in casual but nicely dressed attire, giving off the impression of a brat fresh out of college rather than a self-made and wealthy man. We exchanged pleasantries and discussed our trip and exploring Orlando's offerings. Throughout the conversation, it became apparent that Brandon's attention was primarily fixed on Leslie, even when I was talking. I explained that our visit was rather last minute due to the holidays, putting us on a tight schedule. Brandon nodded, expressing his understanding. He shared a bit about his perspective of life, having just lost his father, emphasizing the preciousness of time. All this bargaining over pennies and acquiring stuff is trivial. I just like to entertain and have fun. That's why I do the clubs and hospitality, he remarked. Interrupting the philosophical moment, he shifted gears, asking us directly, Tell me, 
What do you want? Sensing his interest in Leslie, I silently encouraged her with a reassuring glance. And with confidence, Leslie explained, We want to purchase the furniture store in New Jersey. Brandon raised his eyebrows. Why? he asked, prompting a brief pause before Leslie responded smoothly with, We believe it would be a nice synergy with our existing architectural firm. Brandon smiled, acknowledging the idea of a partnership with a gatekeeper. Okay, so what's your number, he asked. Leslie jotted down a figure on a sticky note, stood up and handed it to him, and as she leaned over the desk slightly, she exposed some cleavage. Brandon shamelessly took it all in. But he responded with a counteroffer, still all business, of $14.5 million. I explained we weren't authorized to meet that offer, and he asked what offer we could extend, and I told him $11.75 million. He just smiled, seemingly pleased, but mentioned we might be at an impasse. He then changed the subject, becoming curious in our accommodations. He asked where we were staying. I mentioned we were staying at the Marriott downtown, to which he said, well, that's a nice place, but I think you'd be better off suited at the Swan Hotel on Disney property, and extend your stay. I politely declined, insisting that it wasn't possible because our flight arrangements. Brandon, feigning disappointment, hinted that negotiations might just be over now. Leslie, however, seized the opportunity to keep lines of communication open. She spoke up, suggesting, if accepting this invitation meant maintaining a connection, we would be negligent to our employer if we did not accept. Brandon enthusiastically agreed and offered to have his driver take us to the Marriott, pick up our things, then drive us to the Swan Hotel, making all the arrangements. Then, Wednesday evening, he would have his private plane fly us to where we need to be, which was only 30 minutes from Dad's house, which in air travel terms is like being dropped off at the front door. The negotiation dance continued, now with a twist of hospitality and luxury accommodation. Once at the Swan Hotel, we immediately decided to lay out by the pool and sip on fruity drinks. After all, we felt like we had earned it. Despite being Thanksgiving week, the temperature there in Florida was in the high 70s, perfect for working on a tan. I fell asleep. When I woke up, I found Leslie was not in the chair next to me as I had left her. As I gained my senses, I saw her talking to Brandon at the bar. I smiled, knowing that all was right with the world, flipped over and went back to sleep as the sun toasted my backside. That evening, we prepared for the emotional portion of our trip. Leslie picked up the phone, called her father, and asked if now was a good time to see him, and indicated we would be there soon. The drive over was quiet. It's as if Leslie had been elsewhere. I'm sure her mind was racing. In the lobby, I finally asked, hey, are you okay? Yeah, she said. I asked, would you like me to go in with you, or you want to do this alone? She said, oh gosh, yeah, can you come in with me, but maybe just hang back a little bit? Sure, I understand, and I gave her a big hug. We approached the concierge desk, and we were informed we would be meeting in a small conference room. When we got to the conference room, we only saw one person in there. It was a frail man, a little bit older than me. His eyes watered immediately, and his face tightened as he held back decades of emotions. The two hugged softly and politely, as if not sure about each other. Leslie introduced me and then turned her full attention to her father. 
and once the ice was broken, I interrupted and excused myself and left the room. Two and a half hours later, Leslie and her father emerged from the conference room, tissues in hand, eyes swollen from tears. When Brandon followed up on our meeting, he insisted that Leslie and her father spend the weekend at the hotel at his expense. He said, my offer to fly you to Texas tomorrow night still stands. The next day, we managed to squeeze in some time at one of the Disney parks, and Leslie and I were invited to one of Brandon's clubs for food and drinks and dancing. By 6 p.m., I had to say goodbye and fly to Texas, leaving Leslie behind to fend for herself, but confident she was in good hands with her father and Brandon. When I landed, I called Andrea to come pick me up. She had been in Dallas this whole time and was running a little behind. When she did arrive, I ran enthusiastically to her and her to me, but she jumped on me and wrapping her arms and legs around me. And as we kissed, I just simply said, you're crazy. Once at Dad's house, Andrea opened the front door, only to be greeted by a screaming child. It was Val, running up to give her a big hug. Bewildered, I asked, what are you doing here? What, what are you doing here in our house? And what, how, where is your father? Val, with innocence in her eyes, explained, Daddy's in New York working. Mommy thought it'd be good for us to stay here for a while. Puzzled, I look at Andrea. I don't understand. I, I'm conf How is a six-year-old from New York suddenly in our Texas home? It's complicated. Let's go inside and I will explain. As we stepped into the living room, a woman emerged from another part of the house. Her eyes met Andrea, stopping her dead in her tracks, and her body language became one of sorrow and vulnerability. She simply said, hello, Andy. And Andrea, with a cool tone, greeted her. Hello, Emily. I was still perplexed and became more confused. The air was charged with unspoken history and unresolved emotions. I became more emphatic and insisted, how do you two know each other? And then Andy answered me. Emily is my sister. Ta-da! <laughs> ay, ay, ay.